In times like these, being a citizen is a big job. Thank you for joining us to celebrate the virtues of self-rule and debate the state of our republic. Welcome to the Citizen's Prerogative Podcast. This is the voice of your nerdy host, Michael Piscatelli, and we are inspired by a co-host whose passion for our republic precedes him everywhere he goes, Raymond Wong Jr. Thank you, thank you. I'm in a learning space today. I'm in a learning type of head. As you should be. This is episode number 53. This is part three in our five-part series. Today, we're going to be talking all about transforming learning, how we need to learn in the country. Just to preview some of the topics, um, we're going to be talking about transforming the institution of our learning system for a more perfect union. We're going to talk a lot about uh, maybe more strategic stuff as we do. Citizens Prerogative Podcast tends to be pretty high level, but with all of the episodes in this five-part series, we expect to come back and make some finer points, some additional details um, about how some of these things may actually look on the ground now and in the future. But today, we just want to talk about the overall overarching structure and our view overall as to what, mm, what conditions learning should take in the near future and future future. Open yourself to the idea of this transformation. Historically, this system was created for us by the rich. It was spoon-fed to us as a method to get us aligned, to listen to our bosses, to work in the factory. So the education system was not designed for you. It was designed to model you in a fashion. So let's be open to the idea of changing education changing learning as we know it. Yeah, thank you, Ray. I mean, that's a good point to say, historically speaking, there have really been two forks for education, one that goes to the factory and the other one that goes to the university. (laughs) And then from the university, people went to the CEO or the C-suites, right? And everyone who's in the factories goes to the factories, (laughs) like this two different conveyors going to two different levels of society. And it doesn't need to be that way. Actually, we're, we're going to make the argument that it shouldn't be that way anymore. That's very old thinking, right? So what we're going to be taking everybody through today is what this whole episode means is that, like Ray said, we need a whole new perspective on learning for our posterity's sake. Like many of the things that we talk about in this series, there are a lot of things that aren't going to benefit us today. <laughs> Anybody who is past the age of traditional schooling is not going to benefit from the change that we're talking about today. So let's zero in on the idea that really everything we're talking about today is going to be staging ourselves maybe to be um, seeing a better future when we're in retirement. Our posterity are the people who are going to hopefully inherit the benefits of all of these changes. So kind of keep that in the back of your mind because it's kind of it's a long road to get from where we are to where we need to go. But it all begins with all of us getting on the same page as to what the goal, the overall goals and outcomes should be for learning for all of our posterity, for our young people who are going to inherit this country and the world of tomorrow. When I look at what's happened in society, when we force people to work, we force you into these jobs like medical profession that have a higher wage more guaranteed pay and demand and individuals who maybe that wasn't their passion 
Maybe that wasn't their love. Maybe that wasn't what they wanted to do. And we are then entering our golden age. And that's what I'd say, Mike, if there's going to be any benefit for someone like you and I, if we're lucky enough to live to our golden ages, is that someone that's working there really wants to be there. They're not forced there. They're not stuck there due to student loan debt. They're not there due to a financial obligation or what they thought was the right career path. It would be lovely knowing that those places of care for our most vulnerable are full of people that wanted to be there, not forced through the current system. That's an awesome point to bring up because I don't think anywhere in these bullets I tie things back to for profit. (laughs) And unfortunately, right, a lot of the decisions people make around learning are driven by some future expectation of profit in a way, if I can pivot it to a different perspective. And it's not right and it's not fair. It's not fair to the individual who's saddled with all of that debt and is forced to work in that field that maybe they actually don't want to work in, come to find out, (laughs) because the work is very different than the study. Uh, They got to stay there. They got to do that job. They got to pay off their debt. And who's not getting the best out of that person? Both them and us, those of us who are paying for their service. If they're not there really to help, they're only there for the paycheck. It's a bit of a problem in a lot of areas in our society, from learning to medical, etc. So on that note, um, <laughs> learning, I would just say the juxtaposition to the I'm going to go to school so I can make money perspective is I'm going to go to school so that I can learn. <laughs> and that is what we would propose. And, you know, I think uh, we're not going to talk about universal basic income or anything like that, but learning should be an exercise in freedom. It should be an exercise in freeing one's mind to prepare an open one to explore life to its fullest. So we're going to go into the bullets that we actually had planned, which is going to articulate at a high level, some of the outcomes that would be ideal for a new learning environment. So let's jump into it. First thing here is forget memorization, forget shortcuts, forget standardized tests. We're going to, we, we're going to propose changing all of that. And in order to do that, it's going to require us to change everything on top of it. If you can imagine the good news is, is a lot of the standardized testing, at least for the collegiate levels and maybe even uh, all of the pre-collegiate learning institutions are slowly going to go away because we've discovered that standardized testing actually isn't very effective. But both Ray and I could have told you that years ago in our youth. Um, Memorization and shortcuts aren't aren't so great either. Um, At some point in time later in life, you will figure out the things that are important for you to memorize or the shortcuts for you to learn. That's not something that you should be going to school to learn. Um, You should be learning the long cuts so you can figure out your own shortcuts. And I would like to point out that when it comes to the education models, you know, those of you that are concerned about the big, bad communism in the room, you know, the, the Asian, you know, frankly, that region, but the Chinese in particular are focused on memorization. You almost have to memorize the essay exactly how it should be written last time. It's almost, you know, plagiaristic in some ways, but you have to write it almost exactly perfect 
So memorization is all they care about. And that's not the right balance to a creative society. So if you're looking for if memorization works, if it's the right way to drive an education system, there's examples out there. There's about, about a billion of them right now. So you can check that out. I love it. Um, I'm thinking of conformance versus creativity. So maybe in some of those Asian countries that are very regimented and communistic, they are more concerned about conformance, which is kind of like the system we have today, versus creativity, creating humans, you know, fully capable of exer exercising their own agency, thinking for themselves. That might be dangerous, huh? That's good for democracy, not good for communism. I guess what it comes down to is um, in the current model, if you have the affluence or even the middle income to afford the luxury of hobby, you, you can have a, a deeper learning experience, right? But even for people that have gone through education, they found, find themselves in midlife crisis because this education didn't give them fulfillment, right? So they, they, they have to fill themselves with a lot of hobby fill. And this is what happens when you design systems for the haves versus the have-nots instead of just making having an opportunity for everyone and designing one system for that, <laughs> which I think is overall our proposal. Let's design one system for everyone to participate in equally and effectively. But we digress. So <clears throat> taking a step, step back from that system, specifically on education, here are some of the proposals that we have in mind. First up, we want to teach young people how to learn skills, how to discern facts, how to think properly, and use their agency to find purpose and contribute to their communities. It's a loaded statement. Each of these points is absolutely critical. I mean, first and foremost, learning skills is essential because it's the one thing, one of the things that we're going to be doing all of our lives. Nobody goes to school, learns one set of skills, and then never develops or evolves those skills or improves on those skills or learns new skills. You're always going to have to do that. Um, what schools should teach you how to do is how to learn skills, how to teach yourself new skills while you're in school. That is a process that's really important for lifelong experience. At the same time, being able to learn skills, you have to be able to discern facts. And quite frankly, discerning facts is a skill in and of itself. It's something that requires practice. So in order to think properly, you have to practice what it is to be able to discern facts. And then when it comes to using your agency, I mean, once you can figure out what the truth is in and around your environment and you know how to develop the skills you need to succeed, those two things are the end all be all for you to get a sense of the directionality for your purpose and how you can contribute to the, your communities. So this one sentence in and of itself, it, it feeds on itself and builds on itself for the betterment of ourselves and our communities. If uh, we've learned anything recently in recent um, social media and the new uh, hyper-connected environment is there, there is no limits to free speech currently, um, or, or the limits that were there are now being tested, and, and it, is, it is a time when you must be prepared to dissect free speech and, and make sure it's not pervasive, to make sure it's not false. Um, it's a very dangerous time because free speech is being leveraged to sell you snake oil across the country. 
Yeah, it's a very dangerous time to be swimming in the ocean without knowing how to swim, essentially, is how I think about it. Um, especially for anyone who thinks they can just get all of their information for any one source. This is the worst time in history. I mean, it's never been a good time to get all of your information from one source, but because now information is so widely available from any source, from one not so smart person who doesn't really care about anybody hiding in their apartment somewhere in a city, right? They can, they can produce just as much writings and make it available online as reputable thinkers. Um, so it's very challenging. And children at a young age need, need more than ever to know how to discern between these things. So feeding into that, um, we're talking about fostering the development skills that continue growing, helping people to navigate life and fend for themselves in whatever environment they may live in, right? We, we need to be preparing people to participate in the system, the society and the environment that they're going to be emerging into once they're done with schooling, with air quotes, because the idea that we're ever done with schooling or learning is a misnomer, even for today, right? Some people go to school, they get a degree, whether it's a high school diploma or a college degree of a certain level or another, and they think they're done. Academics, of course, know they go on and continue studying and making new knowledge, but the rest of us, there's no expectation for us to do that. But the reality is we should. There's no good reason to stop learning or developing your skills. And so one of the critical things that school should be instilling in our students is the ability to do that for themselves time and time again as life goes on. I want to de-Americanize this comment a little that you made. If we look back at the transcript, you form it up with like, you know, the envi whatever environment, you know, they may live, um, fending for themselves in whatever environment they may live. This is really important because the American ideal that we bend the wheel of the environment we live in to accommodate us. Um, we make space, uh, we build accommodations for ourselves. The American way of life will change and it'll be relative to the resources, it'll be relative to, to the ecology, and it'll be relative to the community that you're dealing with in that region of, of, of America, because we can't all have the American dream. And so when we start to understand that, this idea that we bend the will of the environment, we're actually going to probably have to pull back and meet the environment somewhere in the middle, which means we can't sit in fully air conditioned buildings with zero ecology, you know, method with it, right? There, there, we're going to have to find a middle ground. So people need to be ready to find more innovative ways than just air conditioning that was made by a corporation, than just double pane windows that were made by a corporation. Um, resiliency is going to be very important. I think that's kind of my set on it. A hundred percent. The future will never look like the past. That much we can almost guarantee now more than ever. So with that said, um, we also need to make sure we're instilling in pupils the practical habits necessary to collaborate and solve problems. So speaking of the future being very different than the past, there's going to be plenty of problems to solve. We're already starting to see the tips of some of those icebergs, or should I say, we're starting to see the tips of those icebergs melt. 
which will create new problems for us to discover and to solve. <laughs> so we need to teach, we need to be teaching people how to do these things at a young age and practice it. We've solved problems in the past. I'm sorry, I keep jumping in a lot on this stuff because it's getting me excited, but um, the problem is we stopped, right? So team, so it comes out in me all the time, my corporate side. So in a sense, we started as a agrarian society. There was a great leap. We all agreed, hey, what if we stopped killing each other a lot and we did like farm stuff? And we all like, you know, we kind of tried this thing and there was like this huge leap forward for us as society. And then we stopped, like we just stopped. We're like, okay, we figured out farming and then that was it. And we really have not tried again since then. We haven't said, hey, now that we have this great information age, why don't we stop and rethink about what society should look like? Okay, it's been, it's been a cool, cool few hundred years with this farming and serfdom thing but it, it's time to look at what's next. No, totally. Um, I mean, it's, and that kind of goes back to the, the fact that we don't need to memorize anything anymore is because knowledge and information is changing so fast and it's available at your fingertips um, in America. Thanks for making that point. Not everywhere in the world, you know, can education be converted um, necessarily to, to such a means but we'll see. We're getting Starlink satellites. We're getting all kinds of technology that we didn't have before. So it, it, it may level the playing field, not just for hopefully democratizing things, but making information and knowledge more widely available to people in the world. Because every brain is a home for great ideas. So one of the other things we need to be able to to teach students is um, to learn how to discover and rediscover who they are, to know their purpose and maintain an alignment towards nature. Um, and alignment towards nature is kind of feeds back into that whole collaborating and solving problems. I mean, the nature of humanity as we know it today, the best of human nature is when we come together to solve problems, when we come together to build democracy, when we come together um, you know, in order to create a community where we can thrive and we can build things together above and beyond anything we could have done alone. So the nature, when we're talking about aligning to our nature and knowing our purpose, it's in, inside each of us is some intrinsic motiva motivation to do something, right? To take some kind of action, to understand something and, and maybe do something about it. Um, and then an alignment to our nature is just the fact that we don't survive alone at all. Um, and this is something that should be instilled in people at a young age that we all need one another. You know, we're all, we all at one way or another end up becoming, we're all dependent on one another, even if it's on the system that we sustain and maintain. And some of our inequality, our caste segmentation has divorced us from that very real fact, but we've had a past president who's tried to remind us not so successfully that not we take advantage of and we benefit from things we did not build, we did not create, right? We're born into a society and we're born into this world of technology that we did not build, we did not create, but we benefit from it. And over time, we may contribute to it, right? And it may um, help us succeed, but never should we think we did anything alone. That is always 
a mistake always. You know, there's a reason why people start gardening. It's something that our friends do when they reach a certain level of affluence. They have the land for it. You know, they have the, they have the time for it to, to cultivate a garden. What if gardening was different? What if when you said you're going to garden, that just meant you were going to go help in the gardens that are large community spaces? What if gardening meant a different phrase in the future that if you said, oh, I'm going to start gardening, that means you were removing the fences to your house and you were letting people cultivate in your yard as a garden. So gardening is not nearly merely a term of you going out and doing something in your yard alone. You know, people are getting chickens in, the, in their, on their properties, right? This, this idea of producing and owning and cultivating, but the problem is we shouldn't do it in silos. We should do it together. I like that. We'll have to do a whole episode on repurposing that word, gardening. <laughs> and we got a couple more bullets and then we'll take a break. So um, students should be provided with a knowledge base of practical information, right? So we, we earlier we said no memorization and things of that nature, but, but there are some ideas, concepts, some truths, information and data, you know, that does help inform us um, now and in the future. And so I think it's important to be identifying, you know, what those knowledge bases of practical information are and making sure that they're available to students, right? This includes a complete perspective of the world's history as we know it, one that represents perspectives of a fair cross-section of all groups. You can't hope that a child is going to grow up and be able to participate in the best way possible if they don't understand how the world got to be the way it is when they get there, <laughs> right? It, there is such an amazing orientation that happens um, to society and your place in it once you understand the real history of things. Because when you are only taught a piece here and there, you're going to experience things based on the real history, but you're going to have no concept as to why you're treated a certain way or whatever the situation happens to be in that environment because you don't have a full understanding of how it came to be. You don't have a full understanding of what people may look upon you and some potential assumptions that may be made, right? We don't really know what it's like to grow up in different areas of our society or different areas of our country. So we don't know one another and it causes a lot of problems. So this idea of one world history is really important for us to get oriented to, again, the environment that you're going to be emerging into, how it got to the place that it was at because of the facts that have occurred in the past and where you fit from your ancestry to everything else showing up in that environment. The other side of that is practical ways to understand and navigate our modern economic environment as a consumer in a business. You know, on this show, we uh, espouse a lot about people becoming their own businesses. Okay. We, we talk about jobs in a specific lane, but ideally people will be doing their own things. And, you know, it's important <laughs> to open people's minds and give people practical knowledge 
if that's the direction they want to go and participate. And maybe not coming immediately out of school, do they want to open a business? Maybe they want to go explore some things. But at some point, they may find that that exploration leads them to open a business. And so it would be better if the whole time they're going down that path, they already knew in the back of their mind, what are the practical steps to go through in order to open a business? But even before you get to that, what are the practical steps to be a smart consumer? We know for a fact, unless everything changes suddenly, the environment students will be going into will, they'll automatically be a consumer. <laughs> They're going into an economic system. <laughs> and ideally, at some point, they will also become a business that offers services to their community at large and other businesses, right? That, that would be really great. Um, and it's and, and that is a practical foundation. We used to teach like home economics and some other stuff, which obviously has a very different spin on it, but it would be in the same vein. Like, how do I do investments? How do I do banking? You know, how how do businesses work in general? What is the path for a business if I want to start as a sole proprietorship and it grows up? This is not something these fundamental things are accessible to an individual coming out of high school. It should be something that they know. You shouldn't have to go to, you shouldn't have to spend a ton of money on an MBA to understand how to run a small business. That's not necessary. MBAs are for people who want to go into investments and, you know, the big highfalutin things in Wall Street, et cetera. I, you know, and we can debate in that. I'm obviously on my own tangent of opinion. Um, but hopefully I'm making the point there. And then the last note, by the end of schooling, our people should be ready to participate in the next steps of their purpose-driven lives, regardless of one's choice of apprenticeship, vocation, art, or college. Everyone should be prepared for their next phase, whatever that next phase is. And as a part of restructuring education and learning, apprenticeship, vocation, art, or college should all be very clear and present opportunities at the end of high school. Uh, being completely honest and vulnerable is that, you know, I didn't finish high school, um, not because for any specific reason, really, uh, maybe because it didn't accept me at the time in society, um, maybe because it was boring and it didn't seem practical and I was tired of jumping through hoops, um, or maybe I'm lazy, but I think that school education should be a place that you want to go to. It should be a place that nurtures you. And it's never been for anybody. I don't think anybody in this world says that can feel that like their full education was a nurturing, caring, or growthful or enriching experience uh, that, that practically um, gave them that, that, that purpose. Like purpose is always separate. And I don't see why that has to be. It's because funding Funding causes purpose to be squeezed out of modern education. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, I think where the, where the caste system comes to bear on the education system and how it's institutionalized funding, funding was all based on property taxes. And so poor neighborhoods get poor schools, rich neighborhoods get rich schools. And so the caste system continues on and on. That's a continued that's a continued theme for us. Like we are not inconsistent on the show because we always said that, you know, if we are a capitalist society, then money equals freedom, funding equals freedom. 
So why would if then why wouldn't all schools have the exact same funding? There's no reason for it. Yeah, not if we wanted to create equal citizens across the country should have equal funding. I'm gonna add that as a bullet before we publish the show notes. <laughs> all right, with that, let's go ahead and take a break. Time for a message from our sponsor, Citizen Do Good. As misinformation swirls in the cloud and we hear the jeers of hate and drumbeats of lies grow louder in the distance, we must fully recognize and commit ourselves to the fact that self-rule requires unrelenting vigilance, an unwavering persistence that puts principle and reason above greed and hate. We place our faith in self-rule as the means to fulfill the promise of freedom and justice for us all. The time is now to deeply re-examine ourselves and our implementation of governance for the dawning of a new day. We are a proud sponsor of the Citizens Prerogative Podcast, a major partner in spreading the good word about civic love and the power of change for us all. At Citizen Do Good, we want to empower all citizens to participate in their republic in a reconstructive way. With that goal in mind, we need your help to stay on mission and grow this community. Please check out the shop at citizendogood.com and pick up some specialty merch like a mug, a hoodie, or stickers. If you don't need any new things, awesome. You can still help out. Just add some goodwill to your cart with a one-time contribution that helps us pay for production and for hosting. As little as $20 goes a long way. While you're there, join our newsletter. It's easy and free. You'll get updates every couple of months on all of our antics, not just the podcast. Feel free to share any suggestions you have directly through the contact us page. Thanks for your support. I think that education is something that is so deeply rooted in the human experience right now. A, a lot of people um, are very, very tied to uh, the paperwork that comes from education, the acknowledgement from the other tribe members of the education. Um, they enjoy arguing about which building is better than the other um, or collection of buildings. It just So education has a place. It obviously is very important. And what, what we have to realize is that you have to disconnect yourself from your personal experience with education. It was meaningful for many people but it doesn't mean it was right or the only experience you deserved. So I want to be clear about that, you know, just because you had a positive experience, just because you felt like education did loads for you. All we are saying is that it should have done loads plus more. I believe every one of us in the education system probably felt at one time that it could have done better for us, could have done a little bit more. They should have offered that class. You mean just because you can't get a minimum number of students, you're going to drop that class that was the most important to me that I cared about the most? That happened all the time. That still happens in, from what I understand in the universities. Why is it optional on you getting your money that you're going to enrich me? If it's about a well-rounded education, then it should always be there, whether one two or three people show up. It's about reliability. It's about apprenticeship. 
because apprenticeship is usually one-on-one, one-on-three, you know, it's not a huge group. So we need to rethink education, how it's delivered. And when it's truly beneficial, people will come in, they'll show up. And, and maybe even people like me would have finished their paperwork. No, it's a, it's a great point. With that, let's go ahead and move into our calls to action. So um, for our calls to action today, consider how you or your children might have benefited from such a learning program as described in this episode. Then answer the questions to yourself. Why not make changes for the better? What changes would you support in a radically different system and why? When we say radically different, we didn't talk about it. In a future episode, we'll talk about the power of artificial intelligence and other physical models, implementations um, that we could consider for evolving how we learn and how to do it quickly in a way that's equitable for all of our posterity. Besides, you know, we, we like to believe that anybody could become president. That means anybody in any one of these schools could become president. Shouldn't we teach everyone the same ways about our laws and about our means in our republic? I mean, that was the whole point of this thing way back in the beginning. I know we talk about factories and all of that, but originally we felt like, oh, this republic requires people to understand how it works because it's a representative system. It's of the people, for the people, by the people. We better teach the people how to do that. Somewhere we lost our way. Next call to action, besides just considering what this episode could mean to you and our posterity, find out ways that you may influence or join your local school board. I know that's been all the rage uh, recently, but we got to try and keep it sustainable. People should be interested in local school boards for education reasons, for learning reasons, right? For posterity reasons, not for politics. Um, So if you are interested in evolving education, then that is an area where you would be able to influence things um, for the better. And it's from our school boards where we're going to begin the hard work of introducing these ideas uh, to communities at large because of the way we've laid out education across the country with all of its districts. It's kind of like a a secondary democracy overlaying the republic or a secondary republic. (laughs) I don't know how democratic that system is, but we do have voting. You can vote for your school board members, so I highly recommend you pay attention to that. Explore local opportunities for apprenticeships that are available in your area. We didn't spend a lot of time talking about it today, but we've talked about it in the past, the value of apprenticeships. And, and we, would, we will push on that in the future as a, a major shift, a fundamental shift in how we think about learning, especially when you consider learning over a lifetime. Um, we could have many apprenticeships in a lifetime. So for anybody uh, who's interested in getting into some kind of new area or exploring the thing that they were always interested in but avoided it because it didn't pay well enough or whatnot, seek out apprenticeships in your area. See if that's something you can explore. And it'll be either for you to retool yourself or for your loved ones just to be aware of. Um, sometimes these can be sponsored through local trade groups, through unions, community colleges, and vocational institutes. So look up those groups and see if there's anybody in your area. 
And do your best not to rely on the system we have to care for you or your child's learning. Lifelong learning is critical to having any chance of fulfilling a life's purpose. So don't rely on the systems we have. I mean, we, we can utilize those systems fine, but they leave us short. They leave us more than a dollar short. And it's critical for each of us to continue investing in ourselves and our learning opportunities over time. And with that, we would just say, keep growing and learning. Do it alone or with others. Do it now. So much is accessible at your fingertips through any internet-enabled device. Although with that note on any internet-enabled device, make sure you bring your fact detector with you. <laughs> make sure you're able to discern information, facts, and things of that nature because the internet is full of things to learn, but not all of it is useful or valuable. <laughs> That's going to do it. We have been your hosts. Thank you to Mr. Raymond Wong Jr. And thank you, Mr. Piscatelli. I truly believe this has created a new wrinkle in my learning brains. Oh, yeah, it's been something, that's for sure. For information on this and other episodes, head over to citizendogood.com and click on podcast. While you're there, hit up the contact us page and leave a comment. We'd love to hear from the community. Special thanks to you, our listeners. We save the best for last. You are the best and you have been for years. Thank you for your support. We know it's painful and we love you. Intro music sampled from OK Class by Ozzy Jock under Creative Commons license through freemusicarchive.org. Other music provided royalty free through Fizzly and Studios Inc.